0: Welcome to Hi Food, I'm Her Home, where food psychology coach and work emotions expert Laura Lloyds teaches you how to unlearn overeating after work, lose weight without dieting and diminish your binges using her cognitive, behavioural and hypnotherapy method. Tally ho, hardworking woman, we're going to do some equestrian metaphors today as we talk about reining yourself in. (laughs) Oh yes, I'm going to teach you in this session four ways that you restrict yourself, which are above and beyond actually restricting the food on your plate. So this goes way beyond diets and into your thinking patterns and also you're going to discover how this shows up in your work life. You might like to think about the way that you're treating your body. It's like you think you are the rider and your body is the horse. And you are constantly trying to push your body to go faster when you're striving. You're trying to rein your body in when it's getting too fat or its hungers are getting too unruly. And actually, neither of this really works. I'm trying to encourage you to become one with the horse, by which I mean, like, you are the rider and you are the horse, you are both together, you are the ride, baby, do you dig? Okay, let me just tell you about how I accidentally discovered unrestricting myself. And to understand this, If you're English, will this mean anything to you? If you didn't get that, it's the theme tune to a quiz show that was around when I was a kid called Countdown. Do you know who Carol Vorderman is? Let me tell you, Carol Vorderman was brilliant. She was the mathematician on Countdown. She had long dark hair and a blunt fringe, big earrings, and she was beautiful and super clever. She could calculate these sums so fast. Yeah, well, it was her celebrity endorsement on the outside of a slimming product that got me out of binge eating. She didn't create the product. She just had her image on the outside and said, I've lost a one and a half stone in two months and it was so easy. I bought this product which was a book and some audio cassettes and it was all about slimming but I did something genius. I was so fed up with binge eating that every time it said lose weight I crossed it out and wrote eat normally, eat three meals a day because all I wanted was to be able to eat normally again. I felt so mad, so crazy at that moment and what I did there was completely inadvertently I overcame the psychological dynamic of restriction which had been setting me up for binges. And I'd love you to think... Just to start off with, how has using rules and strict guidelines like deadlines and goals and tracking your progress towards them and measurable outcomes, how has that been a successful work pattern for you? Because for many of us, that's really, really helpful if you're managing a project. Yet we try and apply that to our weight loss. And where does that put us? On an app, probably, counting the shit out of our calories every day, logging everything we ate. And after a while, we can't keep up with it. After a while, we resent the fact that we have to do it. diets are essentially a set of rules about how much you're allowed to eat and when you're allowed to eat it. And they normally restrict the amount you're allowed to eat and when you're allowed to eat it. Let me tell you about a few of the diets that I have done, but do you know what? They were all self invented because I am such a superiority monster that I just think, oh no, I would never diet, I'd never diet. And instead I just create a load of promises that I would try and keep and it's the equivalent of a diet. So, originally, when I was 13, I I started going on the going without lunch diet. That was my rule for myself. And that ended up with me borrowing 50p off my friend Suki every lunchtime and going and buying a packet of Bourbon creams and eating the lot. That was the start of binge eating. It happened about two days after I embarked upon that regime. So, there was very little restriction involved. But the restriction, even the idea of restricting and this is what you gotta understand my friends restriction is not the going without it's not the behavior restriction is the thinking behind it even the thought that I can't have lunch I'm not having lunch I don't have any lunch sent me into a total panic so that's how I started binging easy as that then I went on the eat pizza for lunch and then crossed the road from the bakery to the pharmacy and buy a, a tub of laxatives diet I went on a calorie-counted diet and I learnt how many calories there are in half an avocado, how many calories there are in a date, how many calories there are in seven cashew nuts. The sun was rising over weight-loss mountain. It was me versus my body. And only one of us was coming out alive. So I saddled up as an ethical vegan. It was good because we can say no to cheese whenever we please, and my mum can't accuse me of disordered eating. Then I took the lonesome 5-2 fasting trail. It got me nowhere fast. You know, five days of eating whatever. It clearly couldn't last. And the thing that really worked was not to believe my brain. When it said, you deserve it again. And the thing that really worked was not to believe my brain when it said, this'll give me energy again. I rocked up at the ghost town of Overeaters Anonymous, where sugar's evil, sugar's eponymous. And I abstained and abstained until I was so thirsty that for that damn sugar I robbed the kids' lunchbox drawer and sped out of town. The thing that really worked was not to believe my brain when it said, You deserve it, girl. Go eat it again. My friends, I did the whatever diet. I called it intuitive eating but I didn't listen to my body, so I rode home self-defeating. And I made up a cowboy diet of my own. It was alphabetical, where I cut out all the C's. Goodbyes, sweet darling, crisps, cookies, chocolate cake and cheese. Carrots and cauliflower also got the chop, but anyway, I could stick with peas. I fell off the wagon in a Berlin bakery, when I came across a double crossing cherry crumble kuchen, technically it starts with K in gym. But The thing that really worked was not to believe my brain when it said, Dang girl, you've been riding so long, just eat it again. So let's get into the four ways that psychological restriction shows up. Ways you rein yourself in, number one, thinking you shouldn't do it, even while you're doing it. It's not really the rules that are the problem, it's what happens in our heads when we get into rule-based thinking. Listen up, because this is where it gets really interesting. How will you know if you have restrictive thinking? thoughts are sentences and they show up in your mind as little phrases when you're eating and you're experiencing restriction you'll be having thoughts of i shouldn't really be having this this is bad i'm not allowed this all of your thoughts will be around deprivation and not being allowed things now i want you to think about how it is when you're eating something like say a piece of chocolate and all of your thoughts are in the guilt space and you're eating it really fast so that nobody notices and shames you and you're trying to out eat your own self-judgment while you're eating it and you're thinking oh I shouldn't be but here I am again I'm just going to eat it all and get it out the house. How can you ever get satisfied eating a piece of chocolate if your thoughts are not creating the feeling of satisfaction? Your thoughts need to be with it on oh, this is lovely. Oh, I'm so lucky. Oh, that's good. Mm, Okay. That's actually very sweet. Like you need to be experiencing it. And if you're not experiencing it, then you're not going to feel satisfied because thoughts create emotions. Emotions don't come out of nowhere. The feeling of satisfaction doesn't magically arrive in your body. You have to create it not really giving yourself permission to be there and receive the food that you are choosing to eat. So not really owning your decision to eat either. Okay, ways you're reining yourself in. Number two, stuffing down your emotions. We're supposed to be really professionally, emotionally neutral at work and actually being disappointed or being stressed or being grumpy or being emotional or feeling vulnerable. It's all really hard to do in a work environment. If you're working for a company that has a really emotionally intelligent culture, I'd love to hear from you because I'm sure there are all kinds of work spaces and work environments which are becoming more emotionally savvy. My experience was always to be in a state of holding in the emotions. And then... When you get home, you're left to feel everything and your partner gets the big whinge off. <laughs> All right. Ways you're reining yourself in. Number three, scarcity thinking. All restriction creates a belief that there's not enough in the world for me. And then that I have to reclaim it whenever there's the opportunity to have it. Scarcity feeling like you don't have enough. And maybe some of us have actually grown up in food scarcity scenarios. And so the actual, the impulse to try and get it while it's there is still with us. I know that I grew up without a huge amount of money in the food budget. And so things like cheese were quite competitive (laughs) products in our house. And you had to try and make them last. And you weren't allowed to just flagrantly eat it. And to this day, I still think of cheese as being like, the luxury. Cheese is the big deal for me. God's sake, Laura. Cheese is not a big deal. That's what I want written on my t-shirt next time. Cheese is not a big deal. And although I have quite squirrel tendencies when it comes to keeping the cupboard stocked and things, actually when I'm talking about scarcity thinking, I'm talking about more than an actual thought of food scarcity Open your awareness to where you are thinking, I haven't got enough time, I haven't got enough help, I haven't got enough money, I haven't got enough skill, I'm not good enough. Those are the scarcity areas that can make you eat. Can you see how if you're spending all your day thinking, I don't have enough fun in my life, then you might want to eat when you get home. Can you see how, if you're thinking, I don't have enough money, you might come home and be in a state of anxiety and want to reassure your body that you are going to survive with food? Scarcity always leads us to feel like we need more of something. As Janine Roth says, the answer is not more, the answer is more presence. And finally, Ways you're reining yourself in. Number four, trying to cover up an imaginary deficit. This is a kind of offshoot of that kind of scarcity where you think you're not enough and you don't know if you have the right credentials to do something. Do you know what I'm talking about? It shows up at work as imposter syndrome, you know, fraud complex, where you constantly think that you've got to hide your deficits. You've got to rein in your unruly shortcomings so that nobody can see them. I had more than a helping of this when I used to work on the Guardian news desk during the evenings. It was a real male culture. There were some women, but not many in the editorial team on that night shift. The men who were there, I would say, were a really awesome bunch But their currency was often knowledge, you know, like the kind of people who like to know stuff and they would be absolutely amazing on a pub quiz team. And they would quiz each other like bands, facts, statistics, that kind of thing. And knowledge is not really my strong suit. I'm a bit more philosophical. I'm a bit more visual and I'm a reasonably intelligent generalist, and that qualified me to do that job. But you'd get people, and they sort of stride across, like some news would be breaking. They stride across. They sort of put their hand on your desk and sort of lean over your your computer and say, So, are we all across this Somalia stuff then? And you'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then they go away, and you'd be like, oh, on Wikipedia, frantically... Googling like Somalia, who's the president, prime minister, whatever, what countries does it border on? You always feel like somebody was going to rumble the fact that you didn't know shit. And I don't know shit. (laughs) And that's imposter syndrome at work. And the effort of keeping all of that in, keeping all of your perceived secret shortcomings hidden I think that's another kind of restriction. So that when I get home, oh my God, it would just be such a relief to just eat gherkins out of the jar over the sink. (laughs) So restriction, just to recap, if you want to stop overeating, you need to stop trying to create weight loss through strictness and rules. And if you're binge eating right now, I highly recommend that you just take your foot off the weight loss pedal for a little while and aim for some normal eating. Get steady, get into maintenance mode, get into consistency and stop trying to accelerate things with sticking to rules, sticking to regimes. Instead, we're going to learn self responsibility, we're going to learn decision making, we're going to learn it bit by bit and time when we lose weight my wonderful hard working friends is the time when we have such a clear vision of what we really want for our bodies for our relationship with food for ourselves that that speaks louder in the moment than the, than just the immediate moment to moment urge of wanting something on your tongue so that we're always giving ourselves what we really want with our decisions super dupes all right then Next episode, we're going to talk about the three steps that you want to start taking to manage your mind and regain motivation if you failed and regained weight. It's going to be brilliant. So many of us are feeling so depressed and disappointed with ourselves and ashamed and demoralised because we tried something in the past, put all our energy into it. Even other people could see its success and then we regain the weight and we feel like, I don't believe that I could actually lose weight permanently because I haven't done it yet. Until you've lost your weight for the last time, you still haven't got the evidence of what it's like to lose your weight for the last time. You have to believe in it in advance. We'll get there. Hang on till the end. Got something nice for you. Chickpea insights amazing, isn't it? But it's not as powerful as actually taking action. If you want to take action and learn to coach yourself, go to my website. I've got a stop. After Work Overeating Roadmap video and workbook for you. That's at lauralloyd.co. Now for today's meditation, you've probably done at the end of a yoga class one of those relaxations, right? Where you squeeze your muscles and then release them. Okay, so because today we've been talking about restricting tightening up, closing up, and releasing and allowing and giving ourselves permission. I think we're going to use that technique just to get a little bit more relaxed and open for this meditation. So once again, I wonder what you're doing. If you're driving a car, might not be great to be gripping the steering wheel really tight. Might be good to save this for another moment. Or if you've got time, Or if you're doing a very simple activity, you might be able to just do these things as we go along. So just to start off with, take a deep breath in. Hold, hold, hold in your chest. And release, slowly. And now, next in-breath, I want you to screw up your face. If you are safe to close your eyes, do so. Breath, release, relax all the muscles around your eyes, mat. relax your temples, your forehead, your jaw. Your jaw is one of the tightest, strongest muscles in your body. The hmm. next in breath, shrug your shoulders up to your ears if it's safe to do so, and hold, 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 and release. Allow your shoulders to melt. Relax. Now let's do one more. Next in breath, tighten up your hands into fists if it's safe to do so. Grip them tight. And release them. Let your fingers go long, imagine. All of the tension in your body flowing out through your arms, through your fingers. Give your hands a little shake. Be loose, limp and floppy. That's it. This is how we unconstrain our muscles. Now that we're a little bit more relaxed, if you'd like to close your eyes, do so. If you'd like to leave them open, just tune in. Get easy in yourself. Make your movements easy as you let my voice release you, taking you deeper into a lovely, relaxed
1: daydream.
0: You can imagine your chest expanding. You can imagine heart expanding, I allow myself to expand into all the possibilities in my life, bring it on. I'm open to my emotions, I don't tense up against them or try and distract from them, I'm open to seeing what I do around food, and I no longer need to brace myself against my self judgment because when I eat, when I'm not hungry, I'm gonna be open to understanding what was I telling myself. I'm going to be curious. My senses are open, my awareness is broad expanding I'm calm and I make calm decisions when I say no to food it's because I truly want something far more special for myself I want lifelong ease around food much more than I want momentary tongue taste I witness my emotions without needing them to resolve right away. When I have chosen to eat something, I give myself full permission to be really present with it, and I open my senses to it. And when I have chosen not to eat something I wasn't physically hungry for, I feel really. Release. I'm allowed to eat food and I know there will be an abundance of delicious food available for me tomorrow. So I can calmly choose not to eat right now if I'm not actually hungry. I'm open to my eating psychology journey. I'm going to take my time and enjoy it.